Good morning. Uh, I get the privilege of introducing a dear friend uh, who will make each other cry, so I'm not going to look at him. I'm not allowed to give his long resume of ministry service because that would take too long, and he asked me not to, so I won't. It would take, it would take the hour to fill um, the, the service, the different types of service and the years of service that that Pastor Nevin has brought to this, not only this county, but to, to other states as well. But I am allowed to share one personal thing. In becoming a young Christian later in life, trying to glean knowledge and trying to catch up on what is this Christian thing all about in my mid-30s, I realized that, that I, I lacked wisdom. See, knowledge can be bought it can be read, it can be heard, but wisdom only comes through experience to test out the knowledge. So for the last 13 or 14 years, I've been testing my brother's resolve by having lunch with him every week <laughs> just to gain wisdom. So we've asked him just to come here this morning, uh, Pastor Nevin Krause, to share some of his wisdom. Pastor Nevin. that on now? All right. So I'm, uh, one of the reasons I came today is to help anyone that's in a financial wilderness. Anyone like that today? And uh, so, but I also want you to know that I have established the Nevin Krause Nazarene Retirement Fund. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I am uh, president, vice president, secretary, and treasurer, and chairman of the board. <laughs> and uh, thinking of wilderness, uh, children of Israel were in the wilderness 40 years. So I feel led to tell you that if you will give me a dollar for every year that they were in the wilderness and send it to me as seed money, your riches will increase because God multiplies the seed sown and I get the seed. <laughs> now I'll tell you... Now I'll tell you the truth, the, tr <clears throat> the truth. It is wonderful to have financial freedom. And uh, one, I want to give four reasons or four steps to find financial freedom. And uh, the first step is learning to be content with what you already have. Paul said, I find in whatever state I am in, therewith to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to be exalted. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. He wrote to Timothy, 
Godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. The writer to the Hebrews said, let your conversation or lifestyle be without covetousness. For it is, uh, for I will never leave, no, wait a minute. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For it is written, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So therefore we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do unto me. And the idea is that the more we let Jesus rule our lives, the more Christ has the preeminence in our hearts, the more we are content with such things as we have. We're living in a society today where you're showing everything you want. And I'm not going to buy anything for 1995 until they put a Mercedes up there. <laughs> but we're living in a consumer society, and we want too much. Better car, better house, better uh, golf sticks, clubs, and so forth. We don't seem to be content. But as we said before, God gives us all things to enjoy and be content with such things as you, have, as, you have, as you have or that you have. And so contentment, learning, it's a learning process, but we should learn to be content because the more contented we are, the less we hold on to things, and the less we hold on to things, the more able we are to help others that need God and need help in this world. So let us learn, first of all, contentment. And then secondly, I can't believe I got done that soon on the first point. We must understand the character of God. Am I going to blow up? <laughs> All right. We must understand the character of God. You know, God is a giving God. Amen? And... He gave us Christ and salvation. I love the verses. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. God is a giving God. And God promises to meet our needs. 
Jesus says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to them that ask him? If he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? Or if he asks for a bread, will he give him a stone? Nay, he knows your needs even before you ask. And it's the Father's good pleasure to give unto us every need supplied that we have and to give us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. And so I'm thankful today that if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all things that we need will be added unto us. And you know, as I said, the more you get to know Jesus, the more you realize that you don't need every little thing that comes along. And to show us that God can meet our needs, he shows his power in doing that by what he has done through his miracles. Do you realize that the miracle of feeding the 5,000 is in all four Gospels. Why does God have to tell the same thing four different times? For the boy with five loaves and two fishes gave it to the disciple, and then the disciple gave it to Jesus, and, mul and Jesus multiplied that to feed 5,000 beside women and children. And so, uh, in, in, uh, also, he fed... 4,000 twice in the, in the Gospels. So he fed all those people with a meager supply that was given unto him. And so I believe that today that we really need to realize that God will take care of us when we give our meager things to him. He'll much more give than we have given him. My, I'm a firm believer in Luke 6, 38. Give, and it shall be given you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together, will men give unto your bosom, for with the same measure you give, it shall be given unto you. Now, I got a, a bag or a box of grape nuts flakes. And uh, when I opened them up, I only had a half a bag. Now, I know they settled, right? Well, and I know if you go uh, to a grocery store and you have got get a, a box of strawberries, I can tell you they, were, they settled in transport, but when the man put them up, he went like this from one basket to the other, and the baskets filled right up. So if he let them go, they'd be about three-quarters of a basket. But Jesus says, give, and it shall be given you, pressed down, that's not strawberries, <laughs> pressed down, running over, shall men give unto your bosom, for with the same measure you give, it shall be measured to you again. And, and Paul wrote and said, but my God 
shall supply all your need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. So do you really believe today that God is able to give far more than you give? Do you really believe that? Give, and it shall be given unto you. Give first, and then God does his part to us. Now, thirdly, the next thing I want to share with you is that God gives us comfort concerning giving in his word. There's comfort in the scriptures concerning our giving. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians, He that soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly, and he that soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. And he goes with this verse, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Think of that. When you get home today, you read 2 Corinthians 9, 7, 8, uh, 9, 7, 8, and 9, and 10, and talks about giving. It's, they're taking up a collection for the saints in Judea that were having troubles. And Paul told them the first day of the week, set aside to bring an offering. And he said, if you do it sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. But if you do it bountifully, you will reap bountifully. And I love this verse. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you having all sufficiency in all things may abound in every good work. That means that God will take care of you sufficiently and you'll have enough left over to give wherever and whatever God wants you to give to. Isn't that wonderful? Boy, you're, you're, you're a little light on some of these amens. You know? <laughs> because God does multiply the seed sown. I worked in the nursery for nine, eight or nine years. And we had a big desk full of seeds. And you know what? Not one of those seeds ever grew until we took them out of that desk, prepared the ground, and sowed the seed. But some of the beautiful things that came out of those seeds and how God multiplied the seed sown. Remember how Jesus looked on a treasury when where people gave, there were trumpets around the part of the temple that they put money in. And this widow woman put in two mites, which is equivalent to two cents probably, and uh, was all of her living. It was all she had. And do you think for one minute, thinking about the five loaves and the two fishes and the boy that gave them, he had, they had 12 baskets full left over. Do you think that Jesus let that widow woman uh, go hungry after she gave two mites and all of her living? I don't believe so. And I think of the woman of Seraphat or Sarepta. 
that uh, Elijah went to her place. He uh, had prophesied a drought, and the drought had come. First, God sent him by the brook, and the ravens came and fed him. But then the brook dried up, and God sent him to a widow woman to prepare him a meal. So when he got to the widow woman's house, he said, fetch, that's King James, forgive me, uh, fetch me a morsel of a drink of water and a small cake. And she said, my Lord, I am in the process of gathering sticks to prepare our last meal because we only have enough flour and enough oil for ourselves and then that's going to be the end. That's where we are. And he said, fix your cake, but fix mine first. And she went in and fixed his biscuit or piece of bread first. And all during the rest of that famine, and for her that day, the oil never ran out, nor did the flour barrel go empty. Do you believe in a God like that this morning? Do you really believe that? And then there was another widow woman who uh, was in debt. And that was in the second, cap, chap, uh, second Kings. And this time it was Elijah, the prophet. And uh, the woman came to Elijah and said, they're going to take my two sons. I'm in debt and they're going to take my two sons, the creditors are going to enslave my two sons to pay my bills. What should I do? And he said, well, what do you have in the house? She said, I only have a little pot of oil. He said, go borrow pots and pans or whatever you can borrow, borrow them and bring them here to me. And when she did that, notice obedience, she did that, and she began to pour oil and oil and oil and oil and oil. It never ran out until the last thing, vessel, was filled. She said, what do I do now? He said, take it and sell it, and you'll have enough to pay your creditors and enough to live on the rest of the time. You believe that? Well, you're weak on some things. Very weak. I believe that today. God fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes. And I believe little is much when God is in it. Little is much when God is in it. And in Philippians 4.19, if you study the subject matter, it's talking about giving, and Paul says, if we do our part, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Well, you're getting, a, getting a, <laughs> you're getting with it. But remember, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, 
shaken together and running over shall men give unto your bosom. Surely God wants us to have confidence in his word concerning giving. Now, there's the command. Have you noticed that I really was pretty sharp and got everything with a C, each topic? First was contentment. And next was character, character of God. And the next one was the comfort that God gives through his word. I had a hard time figuring that out. And uh, I thought you might say something about that, but you didn't. <laughs> and, uh, and then the last is he commands us to give. He commands us to give. I thank God for the privilege of giving, tell you the truth. I really do. Uh, before I got saved, I was saved when I was 20. And uh, I like to put it better, the Lord saved me when I was 20. And I had a 1937 Ford coupe. It was the worst thing God ever created <laughs> on the face of this earth. I put seven transmissions in that car. One time it seemed to have a little less power than usual. And I opened the hood and it looked like fireworks. Every, it was firing off the block, everything. It, to make a long story short, I borrowed $500 from my boss in 1948 to pay for the dumb thing. And at a year later, I owed him $610. <laughs> and I still had a, no, a car that was no good. And uh, so what happened? Well, the Lord saved me in November of that year. And I started to tithe. I don't even remember hearing a sermon on tithe. I didn't go to church for a long time after I left Sunday school at the age of 14, you know. And uh, I started to tithe, and every week my boss would write in $20, $30, $20, $30. I paid that off in no time flat. And that has left an indelible mark on my mind that God helped me to get out of debt, and for a year, two years, I, I didn't make a dent in my debt and had a car that literally drove me nuts. I think that car had more to do with me getting saved than any other. <laughs> I really do. Uh, I was so miserable about it. And, uh, of course, I know the other things that go into it, but that car helped. And uh, because the Bible says, bring ye all the tithes, 10% of all your increase into my house and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven, that there shall not be room enough to contain it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake and you shall be called a delightsome land. In other words, God says, 
Give to me your tithe, 10% of your increase, and I will see that all your needs are taken care of, and the world will look upon you as being a delightful land, and I'll keep your uh, fields and crops from blasting or mildew or whatever. And I'll tell you, I, God hasn't kept my uh, corn from mildewing, but he's kept my refrigerator going longer than it should have, my washer and my dryer and everything else I have. He's kept it going longer, and I believe it. If you don't, that's tough luck. I do. <laughs> <clears throat> and uh, so I, and you say, well, some of you are theologians out there, and some will say, well, uh, tithing is under the old law. And I say to you, tithing was before the law. It was in the Old Testament when uh, Jacob fled from his brother Esau uh, because he had tricked him out of the birthright and the family blessing. He left and ran for his life, and he met God at Bethel. And God had, gave him an experience with God. And he said, since you're going to do all this for me, you're going to let me go here, and you're going to bring me back, and you're going to take care of me. He said, I'm going to tithe all that I possess. That's before the law. And when Abraham later on, all his goods and families were carried away by the kings of that area, and they were brought back. Abraham captured them all back. And when he came back and brought all the spoils back, he gave a tenth to Melchizedek, the king of Salem, and a very interesting person. So tithing was in vogue before the law, but it was incorporated into the law. The Bible says to bring your tithes. The Bible says, honor the Lord with all your firstfruits, and I will bless you, and your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will run over with new wine. So uh, the principle of giving to God. And if you say to yourself, well, I still believe it's under the law. Well, look at it this way. When everything, when Jesus came, about the law changed. I mean, a lot of the ceremonial law, of course, was fulfilled uh, by Christ's death on the cross. But Jesus said, you said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, love your enemies. Do good to them. They hate you and curse you and so forth. He raised the standard from just an eye for an eye to you love your enemies. And he also uh, said... Uh, if you commit adultery, you have written, do not commit adultery. I say, he that looks after a woman with lust in his eyes has already committed adultery. And he also said uh, that uh, hatred can lead to murder. So Jesus always raised the standard higher in the period of grace. And if God can help the Jews through their own self-effort and out of the command of the law of God to give 
how much more with we that have grace be willing to give to God 10% and besides that gives offerings and alms to God. Now it's no amens at all. We're down to that. But again, I want to say to you, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you. He can give you giving grace. And if any of you here today are not giving to God, I'm not talking about the church, but the church is an instrument through which you give to God. If you're not really giving as God wants you to give, I implore you today to begin to give and learn the joy of living. Living by faith. One time when I was in college, I bring the college up every now and then because some people don't think I have much education. See? <laughs> so, but one time I came home from studying and I went in and saw Dolores and I said, uh, I got to go pray. I said, we need money. We're in, uh, we're in the straits. And uh, I took a walk and began to pray. But I was tithing. And uh, I told the Lord our needs and everything. And the Lord said to me, are you tithing? I said, yeah. I said, well, then what did I promise you? I said, yeah, Lord, but I bought some expensive lunch meat the other day. Real expensive ham, way out of the line. He said, are you paying your tithes? So I said, yes. So the, the end of the story was that I came home and I said, Doris, we won't have to worry. God will take care of things. And he surely has. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord. And lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. I want you today to learn the joy. Pray about it. God can give you the grace to give. And once you start really giving, and I know of, I'm surely a lot of you and many of you give, and I pray that many of you tithe, but Learn the joy. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. So I pray today, I want to quote these two verses over again. Luke 6, 38. Give and it shall be given you. Good measure, pressed down, and running over shall men give unto your bosom, for with the same measure you give, it shall be measured to you again. God blesses the giver. Then, 2 Corinthians 9, he that soweth sparingly will reap sparingly. Uh, sparingly. That's a dumb thing to do. You know, if you wanted a big wheat crop, you wouldn't go out and just throw a couple hands full. You'd sow a lot. And so 
He's able to give you the grace to give that all your needs will be supplied and you will have some to give to others. So I'd like to bow our heads and I'd like to go over this, the main points here with your heads bowed and your eyes closed and don't worry about the time We'll be done in a few minutes. First of all, let God speak to you about contentment. Learn, you know, the idea is that the more we have of Jesus, the more contentment we'll have. We can enjoy the little things. We can see the wildflowers, see the beauty in nature. Be content and have contentment with your family in the little things of life because God has given us all things to richly enjoy. So be content and learn contentment. And secondly, we must understand the character of God. He gives he giveth more grace when the days grow weary. He promises to meet all our needs. If you being evil or a natural man knows how to give good gifts unto your children, his children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Remember, he fed the 5,000 and the 4,000 with just a little. And God only knows what he'll use if you give your time, your tithes, and your energy to God. And then God offers us a lot of promises that comfort us concerning giving. That he promises to give us all grace to give and that he will supply our need like he did the widow woman in Zarephath that her oil and flour never ran out because she gave to the servant of God first and then remember little is much when God is in it. So surely God comforts us with promise after promise of his giving, of our giving to him. And then remember, Jesus said, except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisee, you will in no wise enter into the kingdom of God. God wants us to give and love far more than the Pharisees did. And he promises to bless us in return. Today, I do not give to get. I give to obey God. I give for the privilege of watching God work in my life. And I pray today that he will likewise work in your lives and in each of your hearts here in this church today. In Jesus' name, amen.